Hello and welcome to the You Matter to Christ podcast. Many of our listeners and guests call this podcast an experience because throughout the variety of extraordinary people we have on the show, you'll hear stories of overcoming trauma, hitting record-breaking business goals, people forgiving the unforgivable, and yes, even miracles that will shock and inspire you. On this show, you'll hear from professional athletes, entrepreneurs, and everyday people from all walks of life. Discover the profound truth that regardless of your background or circumstances, you matter deeply to the creator of the universe. You were made for a purpose, and you matter to Christ. Get ready for inspiring stories, personal testimonies, and uplifting messages that remind us of the unchanging love and grace available to all. And remember this, you matter to Christ. Hey everybody, Chad Burmeister, and I'm your host of the You Matter to Christ podcast, formerly the Living a Better Story podcast. And today I'm with another amazing guest. And when I asked him, how should I introduce him today? He said, follower of Jesus, husband of 11 years, father of three, and a business owner. And so I'm, I'm very, very happy. I've lived in two of the states where Wells actually competed Colorado and North Carolina. We lived in Charlotte for a time. So it's really good to have you on, on the call today. Thanks for being on the podcast. Wells Thompson. Chad, pumped to be here, man. Always great meeting family in Jesus. And I really mean that and decided to share. So you're in North Carolina now, right? Is that Raleigh RTP area? Yeah, I'm in Raleigh. Yep. Okay. Excellent. Love that part of the country. Aunt and uncle still love up that way. So I'd like to help our audience get to know who you are by rewinding the tape and going back to some of your first memories, right? Age five, six tends to be the point where we start to understand things going on in the world. I've talked to a couple of people that, that remember age two, but that's a very a rare situation. So when you're four, five, six years old, you know, what are some of the things that you were passionate about? What do you remember from those days in your life? Yeah, so some of this is what I remember and some of it is kind of what's been communicated to me. You get a little bit older and you try to figure out who you are and kind of your past a little bit more. And I've certainly done that extensively since I've retired from pro soccer about seven years ago. So I'm a middle child. I had an older brother who's a year and a half older than me and I have a younger sister. And so if you know me, you know, like my life is riddled, like all of our lives with challenge and struggle. And uh, my mom says ever since she can remember, I was getting into things. I was just kind of a mischievous child. I was always trying to figure out what was in the cabinets, where things were, just curious about life. Um, I think some of the, the memories that really flood my brain when you ask the question, my heart, or I think about my brother. I loved sports growing up and my brother was my hero. I still is. I just wanted to be like him. And so we played everything growing up. Um, soccer was what I felt like God gifted me the most with, but I was a good athlete. My brother was as well. Um, so played baseball, basketball, ice hockey growing up. I swam, played golf, played a little bit. I just love to play sports. I didn't actually like to watch them. I just like to play them. And so, you know, I remember a lot, and this is probably a little bit older than four or five, but like a typical day for me was going to school, coming home, 
competing with my brother, losing to him, chucking the ball at him because I was frustrated that I lost and him beating me up and repeating that over and over again. And you know, it's funny that you say that, like I really, I love sports. I love competing and I just see that in my past, in my life. And oh, I really believe I owe a lot of my success to my brother because unknowingly he taught me a whole lot of lessons you know, about how to get back up when you're knocked down, how to persevere, how to be determined. I really believe that he was, God was using him to shape me to eventually become a pro athlete one day. Wow. That's amazing. Cause a lot of times those things in life that you look back on, that you learn from when you're in them, sometimes you're like, oh, this is tough. And they become a big gift to you later. What do you think it is about the competing? Because there's the love to win, hate to fail, camaraderie. Like, what is it for you, the spark that you think causes you to enjoy competing so much? Yeah, I think it's like human beings. It's a complicated matter. I think I was really driven. Like it's a little bit in me to want to win. I mean, I think, I guess it's in all of us to want to win, but I just, I loved competing. I wanted to be the best. I recently wrote a letter to soccer because, and it's interesting how this all works out, but you asked me how I wanted to be introduced. And I told you, I just came from therapy and the whole therapy session was where your identity is, Wells. And so my hope is that what I yearn to do is put my identity in Jesus, but I don't live that way at all, right? I actually yearn for people to know that I played pro sports. I yearn for people to to recognize me and notice me. And I see that in myself, right? And I, it's been a struggle. I think that's part of the struggle from retiring from pro sports is you don't get that as much, right? The applause isn't there. Back to what I was originally saying was I wrote a letter to soccer about two months ago. You know, ever since I can remember, I had a soccer ball at my feet and a letter basically went through, you know, I started playing soccer when I was four or five years old and I was good. You could tell from the get go. Right. And as I grew and got better and better, the accolades, the applause of people like I knew that I had something special. Right. And it got got and garnered the attention of everyone around me, which is intoxicating. Oh, my gosh, it's so intoxicating. And so, you know, I think that probably had a grip on me and was shaping my identity as, man, you do these things, you're a good athlete, you're going to, the world's going to give it to you, right? You're going to, it's going to be easy to make friends. Uh, You're going to be able to get out of trouble. People aren't going to really care about what you think or what you stand for, because if you're good at a sport, man, that's what they care about, right? They want you on their team, all that sort of thing. So I can see how my identity has, has been shaped ever since a young kid to performance-based right? Like if I compete, if I excel, if I do good on the soccer field, nothing else matters because people will love me and I'm accepted and that's okay. So back to your original question, I don't know how to explain. I just think I'm a competitor still to this day. Like if we go out and play pickup basketball, I really want to beat you. I want to beat you bad. I don't just want to like, I want to beat you and I think I can beat you. And so that can be dangerous, right? As as a pro athlete, it's great. But also Mm. as a pro athlete, that can mess with your mental game. Really, really can because you know, there comes a point where you're not always the best. And really, how do you handle that? When you're not starting, how do you handle that? And that's kind of led into my uh, evolution as a man, but also my business in soccer resilience. So I hope that answers your question. Yeah, that's amazing. It makes me think of my conversation with Tate Kelly. He's a former D1 runner and his mom was a runner. His brother's in basketball. They're an athletic family, competitor, competitive, beyond all, beyond everyone, just like you, right? And me in college, I played competitive lacrosse in college at Colorado State. There's just that desire to win. So I feel that. He said that in college, he tore a hamstring one time. It lasted for six, eight months, kind of took him out of the season. And so he said for that time, his identity that he was tied up in, he had to put aside 
And it actually helped him kind of wipe the slate clean and lean into his identity in Christ. He'd always been in, leaned on prayer. He had a relationship with God from a very young age. But those times in life are the important times to say, you know what? That's not like, yes, I'm a great soccer player, but I'm also a great dad, a brother. Like you are a lot of things. So I think what you're sharing is important because somebody might be going through that moment in their life that's hearing this. That's like, wait, I am the NFL. I am soccer. I am my job. And no. Hate to break it to you. You're, yeah. you're better well, than that. Just to be quite really real with it, you'll get that from me is like, man, this is a daily struggle. For, right. I'm sitting in my therapist's office and, and if you don't go to therapy, what's wrong with you? Like man, we all need therapists. We all need help. And I love it. And usually I do it every Tuesday at 1030 and Tuesday morning I wake up and I'm like, man, how can I cancel this? I don't want to go to therapy today. And then I go and I'm like, oh, I feel so uplifted and light and, and it's so helpful. But I'm sitting in his office going, just please help me. Help me figure out how I can not wake up and put my identity in something other than Jesus. Like, And I'm sitting here like confessing to him like, man, I've won an MLS Cup championship. I was drafted fifth overall in 2007. None of that stuff satisfied me, but still I wake up every single day and I try to chase success and fulfillment and things outside of Jesus. I think what you said is really powerful. It's that it's, I think it is a daily struggle for us because we live in this world, right? Where we're not just going to get it. It's a battle. Every day is sometimes moment by moment. But staying connected to Jesus is the key. And that's something that we, again, have to continue to work on and practice and and go back to our knees. Yes. So if your younger self came and knocked on the door right now, hey, Wells, bro, we got to have a chat and sat down across from you and, and said, man, you've done great with your life. You know, high five. Kudos to you. Is there anything that you think younger Wells might say? Man, I wish I, I thought we'd do a little bit different or anything you think he might. Right. Because looking through that younger set of eyes sometimes has a healthy view of the world. Anything you might say, hmm, we're doing more of this or less of that. Yeah, 100 percent, man. I wrote a couple of notes down because you gave me the, the questions before the podcast. I'll expand on it. But helping others, man, that's where you feel satisfied. Right, Helping others. Focus, something I've talked about a little bit, focusing on the eternal, right? Not the present moment and just enjoying life. Like life can be extremely difficult, extremely, extremely difficult. And when I look back on my career as a pro, and this is what athletes do. This is what we as human beings do, right? We reach something and then we go, okay, that's cool. I'll celebrate for a day. And then it's like, set the next goalpost, right? And so the, this whole concept of finding happiness on this side of success, like the before side of success, right? Like an, an enjoying life and being thankful for what God has given you. And the last one here is so important because it's so hard to do, especially with three kids trying to run a business, is remaining present. Like the way we were created, our minds are always thinking of things and trying to assess our situations and the world that we're living in, the environment, trying to keep us safe. That often robs us of the present moment, right? So like, man, I'm just got to remind myself that more and more. Enjoy the present moment. Like even with my kids, like, man, enjoy the the, the time they have diapers. Enjoy the times that they're pissing their bed and you got to change their sheets every day. You're going to miss those days. Someone recently uh, said a quote from the office. It was like, if we only knew that these are the good old days, right? Like Mm -hmm. these days right now are the good old days and we could just enjoy and cherish those days. That's what I would want my younger self to tell me. Wow. I love that quote. Enjoy the good old days because it's such a interesting. Because uh, these are the good old days. You know what I mean? Yeah. No matter what age you are. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Piggyback on that real quick is that when I think about soccer, man, in the good old days, it's like youth soccer, 10, 11, 12 years old. I'm not like the pro or the college. The college was great. But pro is like the glory days. It's like when, when you're with your friends, played with them for years and years and you know them and 
you're going to go get ice cream after or ride your bikes and go to the park. Like, man. Yeah. My team was the Tigers here in Colorado. And I remember the orange and black socks that you pull up to your past your knee. And I played goalie, but I also played center. So it was, I just enjoyed it. I can remember some of those shots where, and I probably painted the picture in my mind better than it actually was. Right. But I remember <laughs> some dang good shots. hundred <laughs> percent, dude. Well, so a lot of times life isn't always green pastures. And so we run into, I call it the buzzsaw of life moment. Some people have said, oh, let me tell you about the dozens. And others are like, oh, no, this is the one inflection point. What's your buzzsaw of life moment? Obviously, that you're comfortable sharing on a podcast. Oh, yeah. I'm an open book, man. I know one thing. I'm a jacked up human being, and we all are. That's why we need Jesus. You know what I mean? Like when I raise my hand and say I follow Jesus, it's like, man, I'm screwed up and I need help and I can't do this by myself. So when I read the first question, I instinctively go to, well, drugs and alcohol ravaged my life as a kid. I started using them when I was 11 or 12. By the time I was 16, I wasn't in school. I was going to end up better in jail until my, if my parents didn't intervene and they thank God they had the resources. They hired guys to kidnap me in the middle of the night and they took me away to a lockdown facility in upstate New York. So from 16 to 18, I spent in the lockdown facility in upstate New York. Greatest thing that ever happened to me. Hated every day that I was there. But think about that. Like as a kid who went to Wake Forest University, one of the most renowned college soccer programs in the country. And then played nine years professionally, like nobody was recruiting me there. I was just trying to get my life on track. So that's what I normally revert to, Chad. But when you ask this question, the, the answer is now. It's right now. It's today. It's being a, a dad, uh, trying to run a, a business, very young business, three years in, trying to find my identity in Jesus, man, like COVID, you name it, man. I mean, it's like it, life is is hard and trying to figure it out. I think that the older you get, the harder life gets. I know that's not encouragement to anyone, but like, and maybe the encouragement is we get stronger and we get more resilient and we lean on God and trust him more. But man, I'm in the buzzsaw moment of my life now. Like, and I told my team this last year, I know we're halfway through 2023, but after 2022, we tripled revenue, but I killed my own mental health, man. I really did. Like it was affecting my family. It was affecting my relationship, with my wife. It was affecting everything in my life. And so 2022 was very Wells Thompson driven and 2023, I'm hoping to be Holy Spirit driven. But going back to what you originally said earlier, it's union with God. And that's something I'm really working on. It's walking with God daily. As a pro athlete, I had a lot of time to read my Bible and connect with God. And I don't as much now. And so I've let him fall to the wayside way too often. And so I'm working on it. I'm trying to set time for myself first thing in the morning to be with Jesus and just to fill my life. Right with people that uh, love me and can pour into me, fill my life with the word and just really connect into the the creator of the universe, man, because he's what life's about. Well, it's good to get to spend time with you in the buzzsaw moment. I can't say that in 108 guests now plus three, so maybe 111, 112, I can't say that I've had that conversation yet. So this is cool because awesome. what I can tell you from 100 and now 11 other conversations is that the after effect of the buzzsaw moment that you're experiencing now is really, really awesome. <laughs> I'm ready for it. Come on. Jesus. Yeah. So, so enjoy the buzzsaw moment because this is where, and I'll share one with you. This woman went to college. She, she wanted to be the Ohio State University. Her dad was a professor there. She wanted to work with the athletes. So she got to, and she was attacked. She was attacked mm. in college. And she tells me this on the podcast maybe a year and a half ago. And she said, that's the moment, because I asked her later, when did God undeniably show up for you? 
And she said, oh, in that moment. And you're like, wait, what? Yeah, because I was looking out the window and it was raining and I saw Jesus weeping for me in that moment. Wow. So that was a moment in time that she saw Jesus weeping. You're in a moment in life that could be a day, a week, a year, however long it needs to be. And so if he can show up and shine his light and weep for her in that moment and help her understand, I'm going to be okay, right? Then what's that mean for people like us? Like he built you for a reason. It's okay to be competitive and point it at what God wants you to be competitive for. So I think it's really neat that you're sharing this today. And you're like a lot, almost everybody else hits these buzzsaws. So, Thanks for um, the, so tell me when did God undeniably show up? Like, man, this morning, I prayed last night. I pray every night before bed and in the morning. I have an app. It's called 77 Pray. And it just pops up and reminds you to pray. Cool. So this morning, Yeshua shows up in the meeting. <laughs> Yeshua. And I'm like, are you kidding me? And I've prayed for God to show up before in real life, like Yeshua in the flesh. That's so awesome. Is there a time where God has undeniably showed up for you in your life? It's not a cop-out answer. It's every day. I gave my life to Jesus as a junior in college. And when I first came to know Jesus, I would say, well, I chose that day to follow him. I didn't choose, man. Like he relentlessly pursued me. And I believe he relent relentlessly pursues me today. I'm working on being more aware of that. But he shows up for me every day. This guy recently is talking about like, you don't believe in God? Try, try to stop breathing for a little bit. See what mm. happens. You know, like mm. my breath is dependent on him. He shows up for me every day with my family, with my health, with everything. That day I did give my life to Jesus. I mean, it was undeniable. I, I was running so hard away from him. And then he came and met me and I couldn't do anything but go. He is who he says he is. You know what I mean? Ever since joke, big time. But I, then I started to, to follow him and I knew something about me was different, right? And the sanctification process is till the day we die. I believe he shows up for me every single day. Wow. Wells, this has been an amazing conversation. I hope we can continue the dialogue because I mentioned to you the Pro Player Prayer Project in Washington, D.C., a block from the United States Capitol where policy is created. And there's going to be a followership of 550 people, including current pro athletes, former pastors, people like Brad, who was the chaplain. I haven't invited him yet, but I got to call my brother and get the invite yeah. out. I'm going to invite him and I'm going to try to come. I, I would so love to see you there and bring your wife while you're at it and or your three kids and make a family trip of it. hundred uh, percent. I've really enjoyed getting to know you and hope we can continue the dialogue over the years. Thank you, Chad. I appreciate you having me on. I appreciate what you do, man. Keep shining his light and encouraging others. You encouraged me today. So thank you. Amen. Well, Wells, it's been amazing talking with you. Wells Thompson, father, husband, father of three, and just overall competitor. God made Wells Thompson to be a competitor and he'll never lose that spark. God intended it that way. So thanks for being here, Wells. Thanks everybody for being here. And remember, you matter to Christ. Thank you for joining us on the You Matter to Christ podcast. We hope this journey has reminded you of the incredible truth that your life holds immense value and significance to Christ. As you go about your day, may you carry the assurance that no matter what you face, you are deeply cherished and loved. Remember, you matter to Christ. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe and share it with others who may benefit from this message. 
Stay tuned for more transformative episodes where we continue to explore the depth of God's love and grace. Until next time, remember that you are not alone. Christ's love is with you, guiding and strengthening you every step of the way. May your life be filled with hope, purpose, and the knowledge that you matter to Christ. Christ.